Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Uh, Let's go ahead and take our Bibles to Philippians chapter number 3. And uh, we've been kind of going through here, and if you're just joining with us, uh, we've been going through the book of Philippians. And uh, last week we covered about this idea, what Paul was talking about, of having a out-resurrection. And uh, as I shared with you last week, uh, Paul used two different words for the word resurrection. Uh, One of it was just in the sense of there was this general sense of resurrection. But then he used the idea that there's an out-resurrection, a better resurrection. And these are those that will be separated uh, to a place of honor and authority in the new kingdom. Uh, These are the ones that have sown much and they will reap much. Uh, These are those that will have, uh, have stewarded their lives well. And uh, they will receive uh, rewards. And, uh, you know, I talked about to you about how important it was to have this joyful resurrection because we don't want to be one of these people that is standing around with nothing. Uh, those that are just saved as yet by fire. Um, so it's very important that we are stewarding our salvation uh, very well. And the next verses that we're going to look at here in uh, verses 12 through 16 really tie into that, uh, what Paul was pursuing after, because he just didn't want to be resurrected. He says, I'm, I, I, not that, he says, I want to attain this. He, he says, this is, what I, this is what my desire is. Uh, so he was actually pursuing after this. And so this week, I really want to focus a little more on exactly what the believer is to be striving for and what exactly Paul was striving for in order that we may have this out resurrection, a better resurrection. And so this is what I'd like for you to take away with you for today. Press on to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Press on to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So let's take a look notice here about our text here. We're going to read here verses 12 through 16. Paul says, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. And so if we're going to be pressing on towards this prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, we need to understand why we are doing this. Well, first of all, Paul makes mention of this. He says, we press on because we are the Lord's. We know that Paul wanted to attain this standing out resurrection, this better resurrection. He wanted to be a part of that, and uh, he wanted to know that. But how do we get there? How do we get to that point? Well, let's read this few of these verses here, and I want you to underline some of these words in this uh, text to see this. Look at verse number 12. Not that I have already obtained this, you can underline that word, this, Look at verse number 12. 
Uh, not that I've already attained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Look at verse number 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Again, verse number 13. Uh, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. The prize, verse, also verse 14, the upward call. Look at verse number 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Verse 16. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So the question we're going to have to answer here is, what is it? What is this that he's talking about? This goal, this prize, what is it? He says, I want to attain this out-resurrection. How am I going to get there? If Paul says, I want to have this, he's striving towards this goal. He's striving towards the prize. He's not running aimlessly. He has his eyes fixed on something. And he's moving forward towards that. And so he has his eyes on the prize and the goal. What is it? And we'll answer those questions we moved here through the text. But I want you to see that we press on towards the goal because we are the Lord's. Not that I've already attained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. You see, we are the Lord's. We belong to him. Notice how personal Paul makes this. He doesn't say my family. He doesn't say these other people. He says I. I. It's personal. Paul says I'm pressing on to this, this mark because Christ has made me his own. Paul belonged to the Lord. He could say that because he had this relationship with the Lord. Not just a knowing about the Lord. But he had a personal relationship, an experiential relationship with the Lord. And if you do not know the Lord, Jesus said, you are of the father of the devil. The devil is your father and you listen and obey him. You do not belong to the Lord, you belong to the devil. And so Paul here obviously was convinced that he belonged to Christ and that was made possible because Paul repented and he believed the gospel. And that's how we are saved or we become the Lord's. There has to be a personal encounter with the Lord where we repent and we believe the gospel that Christ died for our sins. He took the judgment of God on the cross for us. He was dead and he buried and he rose from the grave three days later. And so those who have put their faith in Christ are saved, and they now belong to the Lord. They are his children. So Paul says here, I'm pressing towards this goal because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Now notice the words here, to make it my own. The phrase to make it my own means it's an intensified meaning, and it has this idea of means to seize or to apprehend meaning that you are pursuing hard after something. So what's this goal Paul is pressing on towards? How many of you remember when maybe you were dating? 
you pursued after your spouse and you would do certain things, flowers, candy, a date, phone calls, right, letters, you pursued after them hard. Why? Because you wanted to make them your own. And Paul says, I'm pursuing after this. And so what's this goal that Paul is pressing on towards? What is the desire he wants to seize and pursue after? He wants to be part of this out-resurrection. And this goes right in context with the verses uh, 7 through 10, is what he says here. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death. And so he wants the prize. He desires to be like Christ. And so to know Christ is to love Christ. And to love Christ means that we are obedient to what he desires. And what does the Lord desire? He wants us to be holy. Paul says, I want to be like him. Is that your desire? Is your desire to be holy? Is that your goal? Is that your desire to be like the Lord, to be holy, to live a holy life? 1 Peter 1, 5, uh, verse 15 through 16 says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. He didn't just say be holy in some of your conduct or be holy in the conduct or some of the things that you think you should be holy in. He says be holy in all of your manner and walk of life. Be holy. I'm going to define this a little bit more detail here, but if we belong to the Lord, we are to be like him. Paul says, I'm pressing on towards that. Either we are being holy in our conduct or we're not. There's no middle ground. There's no, well, you know, on Sundays I'll be holy, but the rest of the week I won't be. Either we are or we're not. The point is, if you belong to the Lord, we do have a reason to press on. And that's because we have been called to holiness. Let's look at the second thing here. We press on because of what lies ahead. Take a look at verse number 13. He says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul is saying, I'm striving towards this goal of holiness to be holy. But notice his attitude towards this. I do not consider that I have made it my own. The pursuit of holiness in Paul's life was not made perfect yet. He knows that it's a lifelong process. When we become a follower of Jesus, there's a sanctification process that begins in our life. We haven't achieved full and total holiness. And so we need to be striving towards holiness, a constant 
following of the Lord. And so he knows this lifelong process and he was in it for the long haul. He views Christian growth as the kind of thing where you can never say, I've arrived, I'm here. So you have to keep moving ahead. You gotta keep pressing on. In fact, when Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, do you know how long he had already been a believer? Anybody want to take a wild guess? He had been a believer almost for 25 years. And here is Paul. When we look at him in the New Testament, we could say, that man has his eyes fixed on the Lord. That man has his, his mind made up that he's going to live a holy life. And if, anybody could, if we could look at anybody and say, this guy has it all together, it would be Paul. But what, is, what was Paul's attitude towards this? I've not attained it yet. I'm not even perfect yet. He says, I'm going to continue to strive and move forward in this. I'm pressing on. When Paul did this. Look at what he says here in verse number 12. Not that I've already obtained this, meaning I have not yet come to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and conformity to his death in a complete and total way. Look at verse number 13 again. I do not consider that I have made it my own. And look at verse 14. He says, I press on. The word literally means to pursue. He's pursuing after. He's pressing on towards the goal of being like Christ. Verse 13, he says this, I'm straining forward as a runner stretches towards the finish line. He's straining. He's, he's moving. He's pursuing after it. And so he's been at it for 25 years, but he doesn't view himself as having arrived yet. You see, the Christian life isn't a 100-yard dash. It's a marathon. And you have to pursue hard after it. You have to be in it for the long haul. You may have been a Christian for 40 or 50 years, but you can't start thinking, well, I don't need to grow anymore. I've got it all covered now. I'm just going to put it in neutral and just coast to the finish line. No. We have to continue moving forward for Christ. We need to continue the pursuit. We need to continue to press on. All of us that know Christ must continue to strive and press on because although we have been saved from our sins, we need to continue to grow in holiness as we are being saved from the power of sin. You see, that's what Christ is doing in our lives right now. As we say no to temptation, as we resist temptation, as we repent of sin, and as we continue in the word, what is God doing? He's refining us. He's making us more and more like his son. And so what lies ahead is that we will one day, when Christ returns, be saved from the very presence of sin. Paul says, I'm not there yet. I haven't attained it but I'm pressing on to be more like him. Growing in holiness. Is that your desire? Is that the desire of this church? That we would grow in holiness? Paul was very determined in his pursuit to holiness, and he had his mind and heart set on this one thing. Notice in verse number 13, I love this, the words, but one thing I do... 
Notice he does not say many things, but one thing, one thing is necessary for me. What, Paul? What's the one thing? He says, I'm moving forward. And notice the areas in which he's moving forward. There's three of them here. Forgetting the past, reaching forward to the future, and pressing on in the present. So let's look at these just real briefly. Number one, forgetting the past. He says, I'm moving forward, moving ahead from the past, forgetting what lies behind. His eyes are fixed on the goal. If you and I are going to pursue holiness, grow in our Christian walk, we need to forget the past. Unfortunately, many believers live in the past. There's a dangerous teaching that is going on in churches today. This whole idea that we have to explore the whole past and, and explore our wounds and we're licking our wounds to try to get better. Folks, your sins were nailed on the cross. They're done. It's over. And we need to move forward. Paul says, I'm forgetting all those things that are in the past, and I'm pressing on towards the goal of Christ. Past hurts, past sins, past difficulties, all of them are in the past. We should not be controlled by the past. We need to put the past, good and bad, behind us. Accept God's grace and enabling for the present and move on with what he is calling us to do now. How many of you drive with your eyes always in your rear view mirror? It's dangerous, isn't it? Forget the past. Secondly, he says, I'm straining towards the future. He says, I'm straining forward to what lies ahead. Think of the picture here, straining. Paul uses a term describing a runner who stretches and strains every muscle as he is running towards the finish line. When Christ returns and the race is over, we will stand before him and give an account of the stewardship that was entrusted to us. We will either receive rewards or suffer loss for how we've run the race. 1 Corinthians 3, 14 through 15 says, If what someone has built survives, he will receive a reward. If someone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as through fire. He's straining to what lies ahead. He's giving it all that he has. Thirdly, today, keep pressing on. Keep moving today. This is why we shouldn't worry about tomorrow or next week or next month because you don't know what you're going to have. But you know what you have? You have today. And if God is giving you today, then you need to move forward with today. Whatever God has entrusted with you for today, be faithful in it and continue to move forward because he's given that to you. Paul had a holy dissatisfaction with where he was at, so he kept pressing on. He says, look, I may have not done what I should have done. That's in the past, but I have today. And I'm going to move forward from today. I'm going to continue to move forward. He didn't just coast to the finish line. 
And that's what Paul says. He says, I haven't achieved this goal yet. So I'm going to keep moving forward as long as I have breath. I'm going to keep moving forward to Christ likeness. This means we are constantly examining our lives. We are constantly seeing sin and repenting of it and growing in Christ likeness. And so if you want to grow in the Lord, it's essential that you maintain a teachable heart. It's essential. A teachable heart is humble because it admits I may be wrong or lacking in understanding. I may need to repent and change. A teachable heart is submissive. A teachable heart is ready to respond to new light God gives from his word. A person with a teachable heart is not a know-it-all. They're not the ones going around saying, I've arrived. I got it all figured out. Look at me. Paul says, I'm pressing on towards that goal today. And it's a continual process. Let's look at the last one here. We press on because of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Look at verse number 14, what he says here. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul recognized that there was an upward call, that there was a goal. He says, I'm going to press on towards that goal, that upward call. What is it? It's holiness. But what is holiness? Well, I'll tell you, it's not being self-righteous. It's not being a Pharisee or a religious nut. It's holiness. You see, it's recognizing that Christ has saved you for a purpose, and that purpose is to be holy, to be set apart. That's what it means to be holy, to be set apart for his purposes and use. This is the goal. This is what will separate those who are just resurrected and those that will have an out-resurrection, those that will have a place of honor and authority in the new kingdom. These are the believers who strained towards the goal. These are the believers that took serious their Christian life, who stewarded their salvation process. Let me give you a few verses about this, because this runs throughout all of the Old and New Testament. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. He's saying, look, don't give in to those former passions. He says you have to strive. You have to constantly be repenting of sin and moving forward towards the goal of holiness. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Romans six nineteen. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification or holiness. Romans six twenty two. But now that you have been set free from sin... 
and it becomes slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Ephesians 1.4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Ephesians 5.3, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 10. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed, having nothing to do with irrelevant, silly myths, Rather, train yourselves for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it, it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people especially of those who believe. 2 Timothy 1.9, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. 2 Timothy 2.21, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. And folks, that also means that you can also make yourself of dishonorable use. 1 Thessalonians 4.23, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see the picture here? These verses are only a fragment of what God's word says about the pursuit of holiness in our lives. This straining, this striving towards the goal to be like Christ. You see, when we become a believer and are born again, we are holy, but we haven't attained holiness. That's what Paul says, I haven't attained it yet. He says, I'm striving towards it. This is our growth here, and now we have to pursue after it. We're not perfect. We have to continue our pursuit to becoming like Christ. This means that we are repenting of sin daily. And it's real important that we are repenting of sin, that we're not hiding it, that we're not keeping it in the dark. We need to be bringing it out into the light, repenting of it. We're walking in newness of life. How does all of this work? We'll turn over to John chapter 17. This is the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ just before he was to go to the cross and suffer and die for our sins. How does all this work, holiness in our life? How, how is all this supposed to be working? Listen to the words of Jesus here as he's praying to his father. 
You can underline some words here as we make mention of them. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name, the people whom you gave me out of the world, yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word." Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and you have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled." But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And here it is. Sanctify, set them apart, make them holy in the truth. Your word is truth. If you desire Christ, if you desire holiness, if you are desiring the upward call of, of God in Christ Jesus, if you're pursuing after the goal, you're going to be pursuing after truth. And the word of God is what will cleanse you. The word of God is what will change your thinking. The word of God is what will keep you in step with the spirit of God. The word of God is what will help you become more and more like Christ. And so we got to be in the word. We got to make the word of God a priority in our life. And we have to pursue after truth because Jesus Christ is truth. All truth comes from him and we're pursuing after him. We are sanctified through the word of God. In Sydney, there is a ultra marathon that took place between the years of 1983 to 1991. And it was from Sydney to Melbourne. 
and it was a it was a, a marathon that covered uh, five days and over six hundred miles. It attracted world class athletes all over the globe to run and win this marathon. If you won the marathon, there was a cash prize of $10,000, which is probably about the equivalent of about $23,000 Australian. When this marathon was held, the marathon attracted all these people, but yet it was won by a 61-year-old potato farmer. His name was Cliff Young. All these runners and everything showed up with their fancy running gear and shoes and all their stuff. But Cliff Young showed up wearing overalls and work boots. Nobody gave him a thought. He was considered an oddity, not a threat. Especially when he removed his dentures from his from his mouth and put them in his pocket because he says when he ran, his teeth chattered. (laughs) The plan was simple. And this is the plan that most of the runners had. Run for 18 hours, sleep for six. Unfortunately, for the younger men, nobody told Cliff when they went to sleep on the first night. And so what did Cliff do instead of sleeping? He ran. By the time they awoke, Cliff had passed them. Every night, he increased his lead because for five straight days, he didn't sleep. He just continued to shuffle along at his own relenting pace. By the time he crossed the finish line, he had decimated the record for a run between Sydney and Melbourne by two days. In fact, he had pushed the other competitors so hard, all six who finished the race broke the previous record. Upon crossing the finish line, Cliff, still in his work boots and overalls, was awarded the first place prize of $10,000, and he didn't even know that there was a prize. In fact, what he did after he won the $10,000, he gave it away to the other runners that finished after him. Folks, the finish line is coming up. We are getting so close to the end. It's getting closer and closer. We got to continue to strive to finish. There's a prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus to be like him. And Paul says, you cross that finish line. He says, I'm pressing towards that. I want to attain that so that I may have that out resurrection, a better resurrection, a place of honor and a place of authority in the new kingdom. I don't want to show up to the finish line with nothing. Paul says, I'm going to strive towards the goal. I'm going to press on towards the end. And we got to be sanctified through the word of God, the word of truth. We have to desire truth above everything else. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church, or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifewiththeridge.church.